You're listening to Packers Talk Network. PackersTalk.com Do you want to experience the thrill of a Packers game at Lambeau Field? If so, be sure to get your guaranteed authentic tickets from theticketking.com, a longtime trusted source and local Green Bay business. Just go to PackersTalk.com slash tickets for more information and ticket links. That's PackersTalk.com slash tickets. You're listening to No Huddle Radio on the Packers Talk Radio Network, your home for in-depth and thoughtful Packers analysis. I'm your host, Gil Martin. My co-host is my good friend, Sean Tian. In addition to this show, I host Locked On NHL. Sean was a TV sportscaster in Minnesota. We're here to talk Packers because you're all here for one thing, and that's a love for Green Bay football. Sean, can you believe this is week 18 and the Packers still control their own destiny for the postseason. If I would have told you that on Halloween, you would have looked at me like I was crazy. I don't think I would have been the only one, Gil. I think there are many people who would have thought you were crazy. And uh, just having and just being in this position is unbelievable. Almost one year later, almost to the day after they they had they just had to get a win at Lambeau and they're in. Thank you, Pittsburgh Steelers, for helping out the Green Bay Packers, beating Seattle on Sunday. The Packers, they control their own destiny. How about that 33-10 to win at Minnesota, though, on New Year's Eve? That's a way to ring in a new year, baby. That was probably, if not their best game, very close to their best all-around game of mm-hmm. the season. And the amazing thing that surprised me more than anything is how well the defense played. And the key to it was they constantly got pressure mm-hmm. on whoever the Vikings quarterback happened to be at that moment. That, I mean, it wasn't just the, what was it, four sacks, but it was 14 quarterback hits, 12 pressures. It was just every time they dropped back to pass, it was not clean and easy for the quarterback to make decisions and to find an open man. You add the fact that, you know, the starter is making his, what, first or second career NFL start. Uh, this is their fourth quarterback. So, you know, you take it with that little grain of salt. But I will give credit to Joe Barry for actually calling a solid game and to the players for executing it. Hey, they attacked. They attacked Jaron Hall. They attacked Nick Mullins. Their one touchdown came off of a short field because of a muff punt by Samari Toure. But... That the defense did their job. The defense did what we expected them to see against Tommy DeVito, what we expected them to do against Bryce Young, what we expected them kind of to do against Baker Mayfield. Yep. And it, they did their job, and the offense played great complimentary football as well. Uh, Jordan Love got better. He was 24-33 throwing the football, 256 yards, three passing touchdowns, one rushing touchdown, and – in lieu of all that, named NFC Offensive Player of the Week. So, so rewarding, and, and it's, it was definitely well-earned by him. Aaron Jones had another 120-yard running game on the ground. 
Uh, big play, Bo Melton, first 100-yard receiving game for a Packer this year. And what? how did he get rewarded? Getting a promotion to the 53-man roster. So it was just, they started the year by kicking the Vikings' ass. They ended the year by kicking the Vikings' ass. So 2023 was bookended by some solid Packer victories. Over yeah, those Vikings. And, you know, the thing I loved about the way Jordan Love approached this game, the Vikings defense always shows you different packages. They'll put eight guys at the line of scrimmage. They'll send three, four, five, seven sometimes. But you have mm-hmm. to guess who's coming and who's dropping back and then what coverage are they in and how do you attack it. And Love did an excellent job all game long of going downfield when that was available and when it wasn't. Tucker Craft for seven yards. Tucker Craft for five. It was just so well executed. The decision-making was leaps and bounds better than the first meeting this season between the Vikings and the Packers. And, you know, now we have seen both against Detroit and against Minnesota, if you're facing Jordan Love the second time around, he learns from what he didn't do the first time. And he really takes it to a different level. So that is so encouraging to see. And you could throw Kansas City in there, too, even though it was a couple of years after. But he is he gets a first look at you. He figures you out. And then he knows how to slice and dice you up. And he was awesome. The offense has just taken more giant steps forward. Not baby steps. These are giant steps that this offense is taking. If there was any negative, though, with this game, it was... The injuries, though, it, it, it's always injuries. Josh Myers went down late in that game, but he's been practicing this week. That's a good idea. That's a good idea. Of course, it's a good idea. It's a good thing Josh Myers is back there. Just to, they're very limited on the depth of the interior, especially because Elton Jenkins got hurt and he's dealing with some serious ankle, a serious ankle issue right now. Head coach Matt Lafleur said it's possible he misses Sunday's up camp, upcoming regular season finale against the seven and nine Chicago Bears. And, Gil, just a couple other notable uh, guys who are not practicing this week so far for the Packers. Preston Smith, who had a monster game in Minnesota on Sunday, he's got an ankle issue. A.J. Dillon re-injured his thumb in Sunday's win. He's also dealing with a neck issue. Rudy Ford has been out this week with a hamstring. Isaiah McDuffie, who has played very well in place of Devondre Campbell, he left Sunday's game with a concussion and a neck injury. Unclear if he's going to play on Sunday as well. Uh, but... That's that's the only downside. It's like, hey, you can only get so high because there's always something that's happening that's well, affecting us in a uh, negative way. I, I would take it another step further. Special teams remains an issue. You had the muffed punt by Samurai Toure, another missed extra point uh, by Anders Carlson, and then what was it, a 40-something yard kick return that they allowed in that mm-hmm. game as well? So, you know... Still some work to be done on special teams, but, uh, hey, if, if your offense is playing on click, uh, clicking on all cylinders, your defense is playing a dominant game, and your special teams has a couple of uh, lapses, you're still pretty good. And, you know, winning by 23, I don't think there was any doubt. Yeah, and it's but it's good that you got something to work on at least. So you're not it's not nowhere close to perfect and never will be close to perfect. Samari Toure, you mentioned him muffing that punt. He's on the injured reserve list now. I don't know if that if there's an actual injury there, you have to take the coaches and everything at their word, the medical staff, but it felt like kind of a bit of a demotion in disguise to me, Gil, that he was put on the IR. Uh but some good injury news for the Packers. 
Uh, wide receiver Dontavion Wicks, who missed Sunday's game at Minnesota, he returned to practice this week. Uh, Jaden Reed, who left Sunday's game with a chest injury, he's been practicing this week. He said he should be good to go for Sunday's game against the Bears. Uh, linebacker Devondre Campbell, he's missed the last two games with a neck injury. He's been practicing this week. Jair Alexander, who was suspended for a game, uh, he sounded pretty remorseful in an interview done at his locker on Wednesday. Uh, the Packers suspended Jair for conduct detrimental last week, said he's ready to help the Packers this season and beyond. He's been a full participant in practice so far this week. And then wide receiver Christian Watson, he's missed the last four games with a hamstring injury. He's been practicing this week, said he ex- expects to play on Sunday. I'm telling you, that's good. They, these receivers, even though we've seen Jordan Love can do it without these guys, without his top weapons, and make anything work for the most part, it's nice to see that reinforcements are on the way. Yeah, no no question about that. And you want to have as many of these guys available. And, and even Luke Musgrave, a limited yep. participant at practice, eligible to come off the IR if he's ready to go. We don't know whether he will be. But, boy, if you can get Musgrave and Tucker Craft in the lineup at the same time. It may not happen right away because I'm sure Musgrave will be on a play count when he first comes back. But, boy, I'm looking forward to seeing that. And one other thing, you mentioned Jair Alexander. Shout out to Carrington Valentine and Corey Valentine for the yes. job they did last week against Justin Jefferson and the rest of that Minnesota receiving core. They really were pushed with their backs up against the wall, season on the line, one of the most elite receivers in the game opposing them, and they shut him down. And Jordan Addison was the non-factor. K.J. Osborne, I don't think he had a catch on Sunday night football when he had eight catches in that first game. Yeah, those guys played great. The secondary played great. The defense seemed to be on the same page. You mentioned Luke Musgrave. Matt LaFleur said it is realistic that he plays on Sunday. Limited snap count, you would think. The guy, remember, the guy lacerated his kidney. This is not a, not a normal injury. And it's, it's something where, yeah, when you're bleeding internally, Gil, I think you want to take it easy as much as possible. Make sure you're one million percent good to go. You don't rush back. Yeah. You you don't rush back from a lacerated kidney. When in doubt, wait a little longer. I think that is uh, more than fair. I don't wish that upon my worst enemy. I really don't. So uh the thing is, Elton Jenkins, that is the biggest thing I'm looking at going into the weekend, though. Hopefully he's a quick healer. Hopefully he's ready to go against the Chicago Bears. I really, really do not want to see Royce Newman play on Sunday. I don't think he will. I think Sean Ryan and John Runyon Jr. will be the guards. But I really hope Royce Newman does not play on Sunday. I think we're a much better football team, a much better offensive line, when Royce Newman is not playing. <laughs> Yeah, that that says a lot, but I agree with you. I agree with you. And, you know, it's interesting. The Packers injury list is like 20 players long. The Bears, maybe six or seven. But a lot of the Bears injured players did not practice at all. Yeah, and uh, a couple of guys who haven't been practicing this week, uh, very notable wide receiver Darnell Mooney for the Bears is dealing with a concussion. Uh, unclear if he's going to play on Sunday, be cleared by Sunday. Quarterback Jalen Johnson is dealing with a shoulder injury, but he said he expects to play Sunday against the Packers. And then tight end Cole Komet, he's dealing with a knee issue. He was limited on Thursday after not practicing on Wednesday. Most likely he's going to play as well. But for the Bears, pretty thin injury report coming up right here, Gil. Yeah, no, I mean, they they seem relatively healthy. You left out the long snapper, though. I mean, uh, oh, yeah. Hey, hey, special teams, you never know. That could could bite you. That could bite you. Yes. So, 
I don't know how a long snapper gets hurt. I, I don't. It, it, you can't be touched. They don't tackle anybody usually. I don't know how a long snapper gets hurt. Uh, I don't know. Oh, only in the NFL, right? But yeah, yeah. Uh, well, if it comes down to a, uh, the Bears having to make a field goal, and you don't, you have a backup long snapper in there, Godspeed, man. Uh, but going into this matchup coming up this week weekend, the eight and eight Packers against the seven and nine Bears, the Packers offense and the Bears defense. The Packers are now thirteenth in the league in total offense. They're 17th in passing, 15th in rushing, 11th in scoring, all their numbers ticking upwards. They were 17th in total offense a week ago. Just put a, just a dominant performance against a really good Vikings defense on New Year's Eve. And then the Bears, they are 12th in total defense, 21st against the pass, 20th scoring defense, the number one running team in the NFL. Gil, all that being said, what is the matchup to watch between the Packers offense and the Bears defense? You know what? I am going to go with this matchup, especially with Elton Jenkins being a little bit iffy for this game. And that is Rasheed Walker and or Zach Tom blocking against Montez Sweat. Mm-hmm. Sweat has really been a difference maker for the Bears since he was acquired at the trade deadline. He has six sacks in eight games with Chicago including he had one at one point sacks in four straight games. If Jordan Love has time to throw the football, he can pick apart this secondary, especially with the injuries that they have right now and with all the receivers that hopefully will be playing again. But if Sweat has a big game and Love is constantly under pressure and being harassed, I think the effectiveness of this offense goes down dramatically. And that first meeting between the Packers and the Bears, the Packers beat the Bears 38-20. to And for those who kind of loosely follow the Packers and listen to this podcast, Montez Sweat wasn't a Chicago Bear in that first matchup. Uh, Sweat was uh, Washington commander. The Bears trade a second-round pick to Washington for Sweat at the NFL trade deadline a few months ago. He signed a lucrative contract extension shortly after the Bears acquired him. He's played seven games with the Bears, and he's been really good. 22 total tackles, six sacks. He has 12 and a half sacks. In total on the season, that's tops in the NFL. And since he's joined the Bears, Chicago, they're allowing 249 yards a game, 18 points per game. They have 19 sacks. And currently on the season, their defense is allowing 317 yards a game, 22.5 points per game, and only have 29 total sacks. You could, you could say, this is, I don't think this is a Khalil Mack level impact, but this is a pretty damn good impact for the Bears, Gill. It is, and that deal, at least in the short run, really paid off for Chicago. Their defense, look, you know, at at one point they were what two and six or two and five, and now mm-hmm. they're now they're uh, seven and nine. They have won as of right now four out of their last five games. The arrival of Sweat really did ignite that defense, and then obviously getting Justin Fields healthy again helped mm-hmm. on offense, but. Uh, you have got to, you've got to make sure that Montez Sweat isn't a game changer on Sunday. And, and if you look at the Packers game plan they had a week ago in Minnesota, Daniil Hunter, we were talking about, that's the guy who's going to ruin the game if it's A1 on Minnesota for the Packers offense. 
Daniil Hunter didn't do anything. He had three tackles. He didn't get to the quarterback. Zach Tom or Rasheed Walker were phenomenal. The offensive line was really good. No sacks allowed. If you have a similar game plan with a few wrinkles, of course, Mm -hmm. against the Bears, Montez Sweat may not be much of a factor. And it's got to be a good game plan. It can't be the game plan you had against the Raiders when they had Max Crosby on the other side. It's got to be something similar to the Vikings against Daniil Hunter. Uh, that was the matchup I was looking forward to, Gil, Rasheed Walker and Zach Tom against Montez Sweat, because great minds think alike, of course. But I- I'm going to take it a different direction because you went with one angle. It's For me, it's Jordan Love and the Packers skill position groups against the back six, seven defensive players for the Bears. There's a lot of talent. Montez Sweat is a reason why a lot of these guys, their play is elevated. T.J. Edwards, he's a first-year linebacker for the Bears. 145 total tackles this year. Former Wisconsin Badger, former Philadelphia Eagle, tied for seventh in the NFL. Tremaine Edmonds, four interceptions at linebacker. They acquired him from Buffalo last year. That's tied for seventh in the NFL and tied for first amongst linebackers with Fred Warner. Jalen Johnson, we mentioned him. He said he's going to go on Sunday he, even though he hasn't been practicing this week, and Tyreek Stevenson, the rookie second-round pick from this past draft, they each have four interceptions as well. It's a very opportunistic Bears defense that has really seemed to understand Matt Eberflus's scheme, the head coach of the Bears. He's a defensive-minded guy, and it seems like things are really clicking. How is Jordan Love going to diagnose this new defense? Yeah, and that defense happens to have more interceptions than any other defense in the NFL right now with 22 through 16 games. So, yeah, that is going to be vital. And sort of in conjunction with that, I'm going to say this. Matt LaFleur cannot, even though the Bears have the number one run defense in the league, you got to feed Aaron Jones. you got to give him the ball enough. If you have to throw it to him, you throw it to him. But he's got to have 20 touches total or more in this game, especially if uh, A.J. Dillon is not able to go. And when, when, when Jones is a big part of the game plan, they win. And mm-hmm. they have, they, you know, even if you're gaining three yards at a crack, keep giving the ball to Aaron Jones. He will break one eventually and he opens up opportunities for your receivers just because of the threat of what he could do on any given play. And, and Jones's first game against the Bears in week one in Chicago, only 11 touches because he left that game with a hamstring injury. The Packers were okay without him. Uh, he was out the next few games, though, because of that hamstring. But he had 127 total yards on 11 touches and two touchdowns. He is just in... He is so impressive what he could do. He's had 120-plus rushing yards the last two games for the Packers. Crazy stat I read this week. He could become the first Packer running back ever, ever in Packer history, to have three consecutive games rushing for at least 120 yards. No Packer running back has ever done that. I couldn't believe that. No, no Paul Horning didn't do that. Jim Taylor didn't do that. Uh, Amon Green, when he ran for 1,800 yards, he didn't do that. That's that's outstanding to me. you got to feed Aaron Jones. I'm with you. You cannot get away from the run. You can't be afraid to run against this highly ranked Bears defense. But switching gears now, Bears offense and the Packers defense. The Bears, 17th in total offense this year. They're 27th passing, 16th scoring. They're the second best rushing team in football right now. The Packers, 21st in total defense. 11th passing the ball, 28th rushing, and uh, 14th scoring defense. So a couple ticks up from last week because of that shellacking in Minnesota. That always helps. Uh, Gil, 
you're probably going to take it right out of right out of my mouth because we think alike so many times. Great minds always think alike. Bears offense, Packers defense. What's your matchup to watch? To me, it is make Justin Fields beat you with his arm. Do not let him beat you with his legs. Make and do not let the Bears run the ball up and down the field so that they control the clock and go on these long, you know, 15 play, 75 yard drives. I don't think Justin Fields, while he has been playing a little better lately, I'm not worried about him passing for 350 yards and four touchdowns. Uh, so to me, make him throw the ball to win, because if they run the ball to win, this could be a very even football game. And, and with that, Gil, if you watch Justin Fields, yeah, he's gotten a little better throughout the year. If his first read is in there, if his check down is in there, he is bolting from the pocket immediately. That is not how you, you can't, you can't play quarterback that way in the NFL. And if you take away the first read always changes on every play. It's not the same every time. It's not going to be DJ Moore or Cole Komet every time, but you got to make sure those main guys are covered because he freaks out when he's in the pocket and they're not open. If it's not there, he's going to freak out and run. You got to keep them contained. I'm with you. And and that means a couple of things. Number one, I want Quay Walker as the spy to to keep an mm-hmm. eye on him because of his speed. And then the other thing is Kingsley and Igbare, uh Rashawn Gary, stay in your lanes when you're rushing mm-hmm. the quarterback, especially if there's even partial man-to-man coverage. Because all the receivers have to do, if it's man-to-man coverage, is just run 10, 15 yards down the field the defenders follow them, and there's this big open green space mm-hmm. where nobody is, and that's when Justin Fields gains seven yards, twelve yards, fifteen yards, mm-hmm. maybe even more because he is so athletic and dangerous with the football in his hands. He is their leading uh, passer. He's also their leading rusher, and he missed uh, so far four games. 630 rushing yards for Justin Fields this year. That's second most among quarterbacks in the NFL behind Lamar Jackson, who is the likely MVP favorite uh, this NFL season. But yeah, with Fields, it, the big thing is you've got to be disciplined in that in that pass rush. I agree with that. And that kind of leads into my matchup that I'm looking forward to. It's that Packers defensive front against the Bears offensive line. This Bears offensive line, it's gotten a little better as the year has gone on, but it's still not a very good offensive line. The first matchup in week one in Chicago, that Packers defensive front whooped that Bears offensive line. And that was an absolute whooping. You had... Uh, rookies like Carl Brooks and Lucas Van Ness have big games and against this Bears offensive line that has a rookie at right tackle and Darnell Wright. But outside of that, it's it's pretty poor for talent. Uh, they had four sacks in that first meeting. Fields lost a fumble. He threw a pick six. He was hit six times. Uh, the Packers made life very difficult for Justin Fields and that offense. And then another note to touch on real quick. The Bears ran for 122 yards on 29 carries in that first game, which appears all good and dandy and everything. Fields had nine carries for 59 yards, but 28 of those yards came on the Bears' final scoring drive. The Packers were up 38-14 to at that point. They had benched a lot of their primary starters, their main starters. So the Packers' rushing defense really did have a good plan. I don't anticipate Joe Barry will have the same exact game plan he did as that first meeting, but you can kind you kind of have the base blueprint formula of what you need to do against this Bears offense. Yeah, and and I will give him all those yards in garbage time again on Sunday if that's what it takes. Mm-hmm. Uh, that doesn't bother me. Uh, the thing that bothers me is if you know we score, they score, we score, they score. 
And, And then it's like turnovers become the whole key to winning the game. And, you know, it's one of those weird things. The Bears are very good at creating turnovers, but they also give up the ball a lot. The Packers are very bad at creating turnovers, but they don't give up the ball a lot. So go figure. It's going to be interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And and another another thing I want to touch on real quick with the Bears offensive Packers defense DJ Moore, who was acquired by the by the Chicago Bears from the Carolina Panthers, is a it looked like quite the swindle done by the Bears. It was quite the quite the coup by the Bears GM Ryan Poles getting the Panthers number one receiver and consecutive first overall draft picks now uh, in the NFL draft coming up. Uh, DJ Moore has 92 catches for 1,300 receiving yards and eight touchdowns this year. His yardage and touchdowns that's both top ten in the NFL right now. He was held to only two catches for 25 yards in that season opener against the Packers. Maybe it was a matter of fields didn't have that much time with DJ Moore. You know, the preseason, you could only do so much. Or maybe the Packers just had a really good plan on how to make sure DJ Moore wasn't a factor in the game. But you got to make sure that guy doesn't take over either. Yeah, and look, I am a little less worried about that with Jair Alexander. I think he's going to be a man on a mission on Sunday. Yes. I, do I think too. he's going to be very, very determined to play and play well. And I, I have to say, I have been very pleased with Valentine and Valentine, which sounds like a law firm. But uh, <laughs> I, I love what they've been able to do in uh, Jair's absence. You look at their numbers across the board, opposing quarterbacks, you know, less than 60% completion rating when throwing to receivers covered by those guys, and they're not seasoned veterans in this league. Uh, so I, I, you got to contain DJ Moore, but I'm less worried about DJ Moore than I am about Justin Fields running the football. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see that first attempt to DJ Moore on Sunday because Fields, you figure, is going to go to him right away. Who's going to win that matchup? Who's going to win that rep? Is DJ Moore going to get a quick pass, screen pass from Justin Fields? Is he going to take it 20 yards or is Jair going to blow it up for a, a loss or, you know, or blow it up for no gain, essentially? Uh, that could really set the tone right away uh, for this matchup. The Bears like to do a lot of screens, and I think it's because they know Fields can't really see the ball, can't see the field very well down the field. So they just try to move the ball around horizontally. They're not much of a vertical threat, but if Jair is a man on a mission and he can win that first rep against DJ Moore, oh boy, I think we're in for a good day, Gil. Yeah, absolutely. And don't forget Cole Komet because, boy, the Packers struggle mm. covering tight ends, especially talented tight ends. And while he's not a game-breaker like a Travis Kelsey, he he picks up important gains on third down. So, you know, if Devondre Campbell is playing, uh, it's going to be a big responsibility of his to cover Cole Komet. And some facts and figures just uh, going uh, off of this matchup between the Bears and Packers. Gil, you talked about the Bears with their turnovers. They've taken the ball 27 times on defense this year. That's tied for third most of the NFL. They're only trailing Baltimore and Buffalo in that category. They've given away, a ball, given away the ball 25 times. That's tied for the eighth most in the league. Uh, plus two overall turnover differential. Uh, that is tied for 13th in the NFL. The Packers plus one overall tied for 15th. 18 takeaways. That's the 10th fewest in football. 17th giveaways. That's tied for the fifth fewest. Penalties. Both these teams are a little bit, get a little bit 
uh, sloppy on offense. Bears are the 11th most penalized team on offense. Packers, 6th most penalized team on offense. But then defensively, the Packers right in the middle of the pack in terms of penalties on defense. The Bears are the least penalized team in the NFL on defense. And then third downs where a lot of games are won and lost. The Bears offense actually 10th overall in third down conversion percentage on offense, 41.9% on the season. The Packers, 46%. That's fifth in football right now. It just continues to grow, continues to improve. Third down conversions continue to get better and better. That just shows so much progress by the Packers. Defensively, the Bears, though, they haven't been very good on third down defense. 42.9% on defense, fourth worst in football. Uh, the Packers, 41.8% defensively, not much better, ninth worst in football. Uh, Gil, all that being said, give me a few reasons why Green Bay wins on Sunday. Green Bay wins on Sunday if they, even if they're minus one in the turnover battle, I think they'll still win this game. But they can't be so sloppy that they're minus two, minus three. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the other thing is if the, the only other reason I could see them losing this game is either if Jordan Love regresses big time back to October or if the Joe Barry just can't adjust and stop the Bears from running the football. And you mentioned the Bears are, they get a lot of takeaways, but they've lost two of their last seven games. And those two losses, I believe they forced three turnovers against the Lions. They forced four turnovers against the Cleveland Browns, and they lost both of those games somehow. So even, like you said, even if the Packers are minus one, minus two, they're still going to have a shot to win this football game. I guarantee that. Uh, for me, if Green Bay wins, it's going to be because Justin Fields can't really do anything uh, on the ground or throwing the ball against that Green Bay defense. Joe Barry has another good plan against Justin Fields to limit his production. Uh, Jordan Love, he just keeps humming on offense. Aaron Jones gets his touches. Montez Sweat gets the Daniil Hunter treatment and the execution as well. And Montez Sweat is not a factor for the Bears. Packers take care of the ball on offense. Bears give away the ball on their offensive side. Uh, Gil, you kind of talked about why Green Bay loses. Do you want to allude a little more on why Green Bay loses on Sunday? <clears throat> they, You know what? They lose. Here's the deal. The Bears are an improved football team. The Packers are still a better football team. So mm-hmm. if I put it in very general terms, the Packers lose if they don't play to their potential. And if they're sloppy, if they're not well coached, if they get away from the run game, if they turn the ball over, you know, I, I think when, when we say the Packers control their own destiny, I think that's true also, you know, win and you're in, but it's also true they're the better team and they should win this football game. I agree with you completely. And uh, for me, if Green Bay loses this game, it's because Joe Barry essentially stamps his legacy as he's not coming back next year. And the defense doesn't have a good plan. They can't contain fields. It's Tommy DeVito 2.0, and they have their way on the ground on offense with the Packers defense. And then the Bears defense, they they look like a completely different unit from week one. They totally rattled Jordan Love. Montez Sweat, there's no answer for him. The Bears play sound defense, and the offense can't seem to generate anything uh, productive in this game. That's the only way, if Green Bay loses, that's going to be why. Uh, Gil, with all that being said, what's your prediction for Sunday? Uh, I'm going with Packers 33, Bears 24. Oh, high-scoring affair. Okay. Uh, the Bears have been a much better team the second half of the season. I think this is a battle for four quarters. I really do. 
But Matt LaFleur, he stays undefeated against the rival Bears. I think the Packers beat the Bears again. I think it's 23 to 16. I think you're going to see a lot of, a uh, lot of opportunities on offense, but, uh, that falls short and they're going to, there's going to be a lot of settling for field goals. I feel like in this game, uh, Gil, before we get to some trivia and before we wrap up though, what articles do you have coming up online for the Packers post and Cheesehead TV? Well, with Cheesehead TV, I took a look at the whole Jair Alexander situation, what he had to say upon his return and just sort of where he's going to fit in, not just in this game on Sunday, but his future with the team and, and what the status is. Um, as far as Cheesehead, uh, as far as rather the Packers post, I did an article comparing last year to this year. It's such a deja vu kind of a feeling where home game, division rival, a, a team that's sort of, the other team is sort of on the upswing, uh, and the Packers have to win and get in. Can they pull it off this year? So, uh, definitely discussed that and, uh, also did a nice piece on Jaden Reed earlier this week and what he's been able to do this year. Man, that guy's a dog. He's got the all-time single-season receiving record for uh, Packer history for rookies, it beating Sterling Sharp's record. That's that's a, that's some high praise right there. That's a that's a high class of its own right there. If you beat Sterling Sharp in a category, uh, if you break his record in franchise history. But before we do get to trivia, Gil, uh, we have to mention the passing of a key cog in Packers history: former Packers offensive lineman Ken Bowman. Yeah, Bowman passing away earlier this week at the age of 81. And, you know, I, I, I remember the tail end of Ken Bowman's career. He played with the Packers through the end of the 73 season and he was tough as nails. I mean, here's a guy who weighed about 230 pounds playing center, going up against some of the great big defensive linemen in this league. He played through pain. He played injured. Uh, he actually, in one of the postseason games in the Lombardi era, uh, came in when, uh, Bill Curry got hurt and popped his shoulder out during the game. He went up, popped the shoulder back in and finished the game because there was nobody else who could step in and play center and there was a championship on the line. And, you know, the other thing about Ken Bowman, two, two other things real quick. Number one, very few people remember that it was a double-team block between he and Jerry yes, Kramer was. on mm-hmm. that quarterback sneak by Bart Starr that wins the Packers the ice bowl. Uh, Kramer, you know, he wrote the book. He took a lot of credit for it. Uh, and there was an interesting little story in uh, PackersNews.com about, uh, at that point, Bowman was getting treatment, so he wasn't able to meet with the media, and they couldn't ask him <laughs> about it. And Kramer just sort of ran with it and took a lot of the credit and you know <laughs> when they showed a replay Vince Lombardi is praising Kramer because Kramer's standing right by him but Ken Bowman was in on that block of Jethro Pugh and deserved recognition for that and very rarely got it and the other thing was uh, although he was later inducted into the Packers Hall of Fame he was one of the players and I did do an article about this on the Packers post during the offseason uh, he was the union rep and after he retired he actually became yep. a lawyer he was one of the 14 players the Packers had arrested for picketing a scrimmage between the Packers and the Bears in spring training in 1974. And then before the season was over, when the strike ended, they put him on injured reserve with a back injury that he insisted he didn't have. And he never <laughs> played another down with the Packers again. So uh, just a lot of interesting stories, but a very, very good center, tough as nails, 
played for the Lombardi teams, played on the 1972 NFC Central Division Championship team, and, you know, stood up for the rights of players as their player rep and as a lawyer. So uh, sad to hear about the passing of Ken Bowman. And he was a former Wisconsin Badger too. Yes. He he was a he was cheesing beer all the way through, man. He really was. And 123 games in his career, all with the Packers. He started 107 of those games. And you mentioned that ice bowl, that that famous. It lives in Packers fame forever. That ice bowl, the Bart Starr sneak to win the ice bowl, win the NFL championship, and then lead on to the Super Bowl two victory over the Oakland Raiders. He was the he was the origin story of of that sneak. He was the origin story of that game winning play, and that touchdown does not happen without Ken Bowman. Yeah, and that's the most famous play in Packers history, really. I mean, oh, it's one of the most famous plays in NFL history. Correct. Two hundred thirty pounds playing center. I was two thirty five my senior year playing high school football, and I was the lightest starter on our offensive line. <laughs> there you go. My goodness, I I would have feasted back then. Maybe not, but you know, I like to think I could have. Uh, but Gil, uh, with all that being said, are you ready for some trivia? I am ready. All right, so the Packers have beaten the Chicago Bears entering Sunday in nine consecutive matchups. The last time the Bears beat Green Bay was in December of 2018 in Chicago. Since then, it's been a lot of misery for Bears fans when these two teams square off. This is the NFL's oldest rivalry. Gil, what is the record-long win streak between these two teams in the history of this rivalry? Uh, wow. Uh... No multiple choice here. Yeah, I noticed that. <laughs> I'm going to say 11 games. It is that you're very close. You're one away. It's 10 in a row. The Packers beat the Bears. Yeah, yeah. The Packers beat the Bears in 10 consecutive matchups in the 90s as well. The streak started on Halloween of 1990, uh, 1994. I had to typo real quick with a 33 to 6 Packers win in Chicago. And then it ended in November of 1999 with a 14-13 Bears win at Lambeau Field. Packers have a chance to match that streak on Sunday with a win. And thanks to the Pittsburgh Steelers again beating the Seattle Seahawks last week. Packers need to win, and they're in the playoffs. Bears are hoping to ruin the Packers' dreams, prevent uh, dropping their 10th consecutive game against Green Bay. Kickoff from Lambeau Field slated for 425 Eastern, 325 Central on Sunday. Packers looking to win their third straight game and clinch a playoff berth on their home turf. Let's get this, Gil. I, I want this bad. Let's let's start the year with a win against Chicago. Let's end the regular season with a win against Chicago. Yeah, and what an accomplishment it would be for this team to make the postseason in Jordan Love's yeah. first year as the starter with all these young players. It's there for the taking, and now we have to hope that the moment isn't too big for these kids. And if 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 they can't get it, you know what? It's it's a learning experience. That's yeah. the best way you can do it. A lot of these guys are going to be back next year. You you would think with all the rookie deals and everything like that. It just has a different feel on Sunday where last year going into that Lions, uh, that game against the Lions at Lambeau, that, that regular season finale, it just didn't feel like it was the same juice as this team right now. And that's, that's a really positive thing. Let's, let's hope they don't let us down, Gil. Let's just hope. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. All right. Well, That's it for today. We'll be right back here next week, hopefully to preview a playoff game. Follow us on Twitter at Gil Packers and at GB Packers Sean to stay up to date on all things Packers or to ask us questions. Or you can email us at GB Packers Sean at gmail.com. 
Make, your, make sure you're subscribed to Packers Talk on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And a big thanks to PackersTalk.com for powering our show. Thank you for listening. Until next time, Go Pack Go! Go Pack Go! Go Pack Go!